Well, once, once again, welcome this morning. Uh, hopefully we're back online with some audio there. And so welcome anyone joining us online this morning. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, if you have not filled out a Connect card, we'd love for as many of you to do that as possible. You can send your bulletin. It's also online. Uh, we'd love to get to know you better. Uh, if we don't have your contact information, any of that kind of stuff, we'd love to, to get to know that. And so this morning uh, we are in chapter 13 of Matthew. And uh, it's interesting, Matthew chapter 13 begins with a series of parables that Jesus presents. And for many of you, you already know that we're going through a sermon series called Parables Through Matthew. And as you look here in chapter 13, you're going to get quite a few different parables. And if you don't already know, a parable is often described as an earthly story which communicates a heavenly meaning. It's also been said that a parable compares something familiar with something unfamiliar. And these parables help Jesus' followers not only then, but prayerfully, it'll also help us here today. Today we're considering a famous parable concerning four groups of seeds. And we're going to learn how these seeds take root based on the conditions of the soil in which they're planted. And so will you join me in prayer as we ask God to help us study through this parable. Father, you are at work mightily in this congregation as we've seen over the many years of you working. Father, we thank you that uh, we get to be a part of it today and in what's to come in the future. And so, Father, we're excited to see you at work. May you continue to work mightily through us, that we would be lightened to the darkness. And as we look at soil today, as we look at the seeds that are planted in those soils, may we hear what you want us to hear this morning and apply it. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. One of the neat things that uh, has been taking place through all of this change is allowed for us as families to meet together all at once. And, and it's okay that we have our kids separate at some times, but I've also enjoyed being able to have all our kids together. And it, it causes me to think differently as I preach and how to try to not only reach our young ones, but to reach our older ones. And so we're going to watch a little video that describes through, reads through, uh, paraphrases through. Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 23. Uh, you can follow along in your scriptures, and it'll be up on the screen here as well. So one day, Jesus was walking along the side of a lake with some of his friends when a large crowd gathered around him. The crowd was big, really big, and this was in a time long before microphones could help people talk to big crowds. So Jesus decided to get into a boat and stand in it just off the shore whilst everybody else stood on the shore listening as he began to teach some things about the kingdom of God through something which we now call the parable of the sower. There was once a farmer who was planting some seeds. He scattered some seed and it fell on a road where some hungry birds were able to get at it really easily and so they came along and gobbled it all up. Now I don't know if many of you are into gardening, but you probably know that it's pretty difficult to grow into something nice when you're inside a bird's tummy. <laughs> he scattered some more seed and some of it fell on some gravel, where it was able to sprout quickly, but it couldn't put down good roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly as it had grown. What a shame. He scattered another load of seed and some of it fell amongst some weeds, which when it started to grow was strangled by the weeds which is why weeding your garden is very important. 
But some of the seeds the farmer scattered, well, they fell on good, hearty soil, and they grew, and grew, and grew, and they grew, and they grew even more, and they grew and grew and grew, and produced a harvest beyond the farmer's wildest dreams. A little while later, when the crowds had gone off and Jesus had got out of his boat and they'd walked to a new place, he was just left with his friends, the disciples, and they were all discussing what Jesus had been talking about. I don't really know what sewing is. I do. Sewing is like when my mum has to sew up the hole in my trousers after I fall over. No, I, I think this is different. It's, it's sewing with an O instead of an E, so it means like when a farmer scatters seed to plant crops, but I'm... I don't really know. So, Jesus was giving us gardening tips? No, I, I think it was a little deeper than that. Well, what did he mean then? Well, he is our best friend, so I guess we can ask him. Um, Jesus, we don't really get what you're on about with that story about the seeds and the birds and the farmer and the weeds and stuff. And, and any chance you could explain it to us a bit, please? Absolutely, chaps. Seeing as you asked so nicely, Basically, what I was saying was a parable, a story to illustrate to people what the kingdom of God is like. And so it's like this. When anyone hears the good news of the kingdom of God, but it just goes in one ear and out of the other, it doesn't go any deeper than the surface, like those first seeds that remained on the surface of the road. Well, then the enemy, the devil, is able to come along and pluck it right out of that person. Just so you know, guys, I definitely wasn't saying that birds are evil. It's a metaphor. I just wanted to double-check you knew that. Well, I still think that birds are evil, especially seagulls. They poo on people, you know. Yes, they do. So anyways, the seed that landed in the gravel with the shallow soil? This is like a person who hears about the kingdom of God and instantly gets really excited about it, but they don't get rooted in it, and so soon enough they get bored. And then when some difficulty arrives, like somebody teases them or bullies them for believing in me, they run off and act as if they'd never heard about me in the first place. And then the third bunch of seed that landed amongst weeds is like a person who hears the good news of God's kingdom, but the weeds of worry, along with a misunderstanding of thinking life is all about getting more and more cool stuff, strangles what was heard about God's kingdom, and so nothing comes of it. But then the last bunch, the seed that landed on good earth, well, that's like a person who hears and takes in the good news about the kingdom of God. And then they grow in their relationship with God. And he helps them to do things with their life beyond their wildest dreams. Including telling even more people about the kingdom of God. So that they can grow in their relationship with God too. So if we make sure that we root ourselves in God. Like the seeds rooted themselves in good soil. Then he'll help us to grow and grow more and more into the beautiful things that he's made us to be. Well, hopefully you're able to follow that. There's a lot of lessons here in the, this story, and, and we're going to touch on just a few of them as we get started this morning. But it's been said that Franklin, President Franklin D. Roosevelt got tired of smiling that big smile and saying all the usual things that he would say at those White House receptions. And so one evening he decided to find out whether anybody was paying attention to what he was saying. As each person came up to him with extended hand, he flashed that big smile and said, I murdered my grandmother this morning. 
people would automatically respond with comments such as, how lovely, and just continue your good work. Nobody listened to what he was saying except one foreign diplomat. When the president said, I murdered my grandmother this morning, the diplomat responded softly, I'm sure she had it coming to her. Well, let's face it, people don't always listen to everything that is said, and maybe it's because they're preoccupied, maybe it's because they're tired, maybe it's just because they're not really overly interested. Whatever the case is, when a person doesn't listen, they miss out. And when it comes to God's word, that person is really missing out on something important. And as we look at this parable of the sower, it's important to remember how important the process of hearing really is. That it's the sense of receiving and understanding. And it pays big dividends to listen to the Lord and to learn from Him, whether it's through a sermon, or maybe a Sunday school lesson, or maybe it's a radio program, or a YouTube video, or maybe it's through your personal reading of God's Word. And in our text here this morning in Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, Jesus speaks of four different kinds of hearers or listeners. And the first is the hard-hearted listener. The second is the shallow-hearted listener. The third is the clutter-hearted listener. And the fourth is the good-hearted listener. And so the question as we go through this is what kind of listener are you this morning? As you look at verse 19, it's the hard-hearted listener. Matthew 13, verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. See, the hard-hearted listener is hardened to the gospel because they just can't seem to understand it. They can't seem to grasp it. In the video, it said it's kind of like the word goes in one ear and out the other, and Satan snatches away any little bit of peace that was sown in that person's heart before it can really start to grow and bear fruit. It's this idea of not really understanding and while studying at West Point, General Douglas MacArthur wrote, the first class I was studying was the, the, the time-space relationship later formulated by Einstein as his, as his theory of relativity. The text was complex, and being unable to comprehend it, I committed the pages to memory. When I, when I was called upon to recite, I solemnly reeled off almost word for word what the book said. And our instructor, Colonel Feiberger, looked at me somewhat quizzical and asked, Do you understand this theory? It was a bad moment for me, but I did not hesitate in replying, No, sir. You could have heard a pin drop. I braced myself and waited. And then, and then the, the slow words, words of the professor, neither, neither do I, Mr. MacArthur, class dismissed. See, brothers and sisters, I'm going to confess to you right here this morning that I don't really have it all figured out when it comes to God's word. 
in fact, I'm learning lots as I continue to grow in my relationship with God. And, and that's where the difference maybe is here. At times, we're not going to understand things, but do we have a desire to? Do we want to understand and figure things out? Are you the hard-hearted soil that isn't willing to understand and isn't willing to study and try to figure things out? Because in Acts 17, verse 11, it says, Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the Scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. If we are to grow in our understanding of God's Word, we are going to have to dig into it ourselves. You can't just rely on the teacher or the preacher, and, and there's going to be many times where, where things that come across that you're just not going to quite understand in life. And even outside of God's Word, there's lots of things that we don't understand in fact, I remember growing up and getting to college, I, I bought my first computer. I remember ordering this big old huge thing that came in the mail, and, and, and I got my first email address as my, a freshman in college, 1998, and, and over 20, the last 22 years, I've gotten to learn how to work a computer. I, I know how to download software, and I know how to work programs and all those things, but when it comes to really how the computer works... I have no understanding of really how a computer works. I mean, you open the open these up, and you have the motherboard, and you have all these circuits, and you have all these things that I don't even understand how they create with tiny little tools, and yet it all works together. But I am probably never going to really understand how a computer works. But that's okay. Because it really has no bearing on my eternity. To understand, to understand how, how a computer works really has no real impact on where I'm going to spend eternity. But when, but when it comes to God's word, that's a little bit different, isn't it? See, understanding God's word has a huge impact on where you're going to spend eternity. And I think for us, all of us, it's kind of a... Of how, how do we make this happen? How, how do I make God's word and understanding it take place in my life? And, and as I thought through that, I thought through the, this idea. It's kind of twofold. There's a part that I play as a preacher, as a teacher, but there's a part that you play as well. In Colossians 4, 3 through 4, Paul said, Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. We who preach and teach God's word need to present it as clearly as possible. And some sermons and lessons at times can turn out maybe as clear as mud. It's, it's kind of like the worker that asked for a pay raise and got this note back from his supervisor. Because of the fluctuation predisposition of your position's productive capacity as juxtaposed to standard norms, it would be momentarily injudicious to advocate your requested increment. The puzzled worker went to the supervisor and said, 
If this, if this is, is about my pay raise, raise I, don't I don't get it. Get it. That's right, right, said the supervisor. You don't, you don't get it. And if, and I, if preached I preached the way that this supervisor talked, my guess is most of you would probably walk. And I wouldn't blame you one bit. See, I, I try my very best to present God's word as clear as possible. Oftentimes I think of it as teaching a bunch of junior high and high school students. If I can teach you the way that I can teach them, then we should all be able to figure it out together, right? And if understanding is to take place, you must do your part as well. You must read scripture on your own. You, you must, must pray, pray for discernment and understanding, and understanding saying, saying, God, God please help me to understand your word and, and to put it into practice. And you, and you must, be must be willing to ask questions at times and yearn to understand God's word to the best of your ability that you may not be like the hard soil. The hard-hearted listener becomes hardened because of a lack of understanding. Well, what about, well, what about the, the shallow-hearted listener? Matthew 13, 20 through 21, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. You see, the shallow-hearted listener doesn't have any staying power. They, they're quick to believe and receive and rejoice, but they don't stay with the program. And they don't stay with the person of Jesus Christ. And many people lack staying power when it comes to anything in life. Many of you might know people that have started exercise programs. Maybe they've started them and they were really excited and they knew that they were going to be beneficial. But after a short time, they quit. Why? Well, because it gets difficult. The excitement wears off. It gets tough. They're, they experience sore muscles, leg aches, shin splints. And what people have done with various exercise routines, they've also done with jobs, and sadly, they've also done with their relationship with Christ and the church. You see, the shallow-hearted listener lacks staying power. They can get excited about the possibility of a better life, but then they don't stick with it. And the gospel, it's good news. It, it's, it's joyous news. news. It's, the it's the greatest news that there is. That there is. The, fact the fact that Jesus Christ came and died for our sins, and because of him, we can spend eternity with God in heaven. Well, that's fantastic news. And on the surface, the gospel appeals to a lot of people, and well, it should. There's no better offer than the offer that Jesus Christ provides for us. People should be quick to believe and trust and obey, but some people who are quick to follow Jesus and join the church begin to, to question things after a period of time, saying, is this Christianity stuff really real? Am I really saved? Will God take care of me here and there? Or they may think, this Christianity business is it's not really all that it's cracked up to be, and the truth about being a Christian, 
Is that, is that it, it isn't, isn't easy, easy at times. times. In, fact, in fact, John 16, verse 33, says, I have, I have told, told you these things so that, so that in me you may, you may have peace. In, in this world, world you will have trouble. trouble. But take but heart, heart. Jesus, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And yet, as we look at these verses here in Matthew 13, tells us that when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. And some of them drop out. Senator Mark Hatfield tells of a tour of touring Calcutta with Mother Teresa and visiting the so-called House of Dying, where sick children were cared for in their last days. Where the poor line up by the hundreds to receive medical attention. Watching Mother Teresa minister to these people, feeding and nursing those left by others to die. Hatfield was overwhelmed by the sheer magnitude of the suffering she and her co-workers face daily. How can you bear the load without being crushed by it? He asked Mother Teresa. And Mother, and Mother Teresa, Teresa replied, My dear, my dear Senator, Senator, I'm not I'm called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. See, the See, shallow-hearted listener will not remain faithful. When the, when the going gets tough, they get going in the wrong, the wrong direction. direction. How do you respond when things get tough in life? When you face persecution because of your beliefs, when your faith is tested, how do you respond? Are you the shallow-hearted listener? I pray that you're not. I pray also that we're not the clutter-hearted listener. Matthew 13, verse 22, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. You see, the clutter-hearted listener has cluttered up their life with the things of this world. There was a wife that was coming down the stairs, and she asked her husband, who was lying on the sofa, what, he was, what he'd been doing. He replied, killing flies. She said, how many have you killed so far? He said, five, three males and two females. She said, how did you figure that out? He replied, three were sitting on the remote and two were sitting on the phone. Of course. Well, those stereotypes might not be quite so true in our culture today, but what I would say that our culture is highly caught up in entertainment. in entertainment. Many, Many people, people, including those within the church, are so, are so caught, caught up in the world of entertainment that it, that it keeps them from being committed to the Lord. The world, the world of, entertainment of entertainment being TV and movies, and movies music, music, phones, theater, theater inter internet, sports, sports hobbies, doing, doing everything, going everywhere, etc., and I did a little research from several online sources. And did you know that in 2016, Americans gave an estimated $6.37 billion to overseas missions? 
Sounds pretty good until you hear the rest of what I found. Americans also gave an estimated $11.3 billion to see movies, $19 billion to buy chocolate, $36 billion to buy toys, $65 billion was spent on their pets, $73 billion for jewelry and watches, $65 billion for soft drinks, and $384 billion was spent on takeout, in-restaurant dining, and fast food meals. I heard a preacher say one time, let me look at your checkbook and I'll tell you what you believe in. Where we spend our money is either a portrayal or a betrayal. It portrays what we really believe or it is a betrayal of our faith in Christ. The same principle applies to what we do in life, how we spend our time as well as our money. See, Acts 2.42 the, the church was getting started, and, and the believers at that time, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Acts 20, verse 7, on the first day of the week, they came together to break bread. You see, the early Christians were committed to Christ and the church. What about us? What about, what about us? Are we committed to Christ and his church? And do we, and do we allow or do we, or do we allow the things of this world to clutter up our lives, to take, to take priority of our everyday activities? Are we chasing wealth and worrying about everything along the way? See, this parable brings to light the reality that we as Christians have a desire to grow. We but we, we try to do that growing in the midst of a bunch of weeds in our lives. We allow the worries of this life and the desire to make lots and lots of money keep us from being fruitful for the kingdom of God. And when our hearts are cluttered with the things of this world, we are kept from being spiritually fruitful. And it's hard for us to be fruitful in the lives of the people around us as well. See, we have to stop listening to what the world says is important and make sure that we trust in God and what his word says is important. What his word says makes us successful. I pray that we are the good-hearted listener. Matthew 13, verse 23 but the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. A good, the good-hearted listener hears the word, understands it, and then bears fruit. School teacher said to little Johnny, Johnny, can you tell me the difference between perseverance and obstinacy? I mess that word up every time I try to say it. Little Johnny replied, one is a strong will and the other is a strong won't. 
See, we need to have a strong will in doing God's word, but a strong won't. That's bad news. A man walked out of church one Sunday morning and said to his preacher, that was a good sermon. I couldn't find myself pointed out one time. See, people who respond like that to the word of God are not good-hearted listeners. I read that the gauge of a good sermon is when a person leaves church not saying what a good sermon, but I'm, I'm going to do something. I'm going to change something. See, that's the good-hearted listener. In fact, James 1, verse 22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. A lady of high society was looking at a picture she had never seen before in the city's art museum. My dear fellow, she said to the curator, I have never seen this painting before. I find the image shallow and rather crude in appearance. What do you call this? The curator answered without giving the slightest expression, That, madam, is a mirror. James 1, 23 through 25. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And, and after, after looking, looking at himself, himself goes, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. See, the good-hearted listener sees himself in the mirror of God's word and doesn't want to stay that way. He doesn't, he doesn't want to remain the way that he's been. And so consequently, he does something to change the image. He believes and obeys the word of God. He allows God's word to bear fruit in his life. Ready for a little baseball trivia? Who is Clint Courtney? Well, Clint never came close to making it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. In fact, it's very doubtful that his picture appeared on any bubblegum cards. This guy wasn't a legend in his own time, not even in his own mind. He was only a memory maker for his family and a few diehard fans who were inspired by his tremendous fortitude. Clint played catcher for the Baltimore Orioles in the 1950s. During his career, he earned the nickname of Scrap Iron. Implying, implying that he was, that he was hard, hard, weathered, and tough. And tough. Old scrap iron broke no records, only bones. He had little power or speed on the base paths. As for grace and style, he made the easiest play look rather difficult. But armed with mitt and mask, scrap iron never missed the ball and caught Often, excuse me, missed the ball and, and it caught his shin. That foul, the, their foul tips nipped his elbows. Runners fiercely plowed into him, spikes first as he defended home plate. Though often doubled over in agony and flattened in a heap of dust, Clint Courtney never quit. Invariably, 
he'd slowly get up, shake off the dust, punch the pocket of his mitt once, twice, and nod to his pitcher to throw another one. The game would go on, and Courtney, with it, scarred, bruised, clutching his arm in pain, but determined to continue. He resembled a POW with tape, splints, braces, and other kinds of paraphernalia that wounded people wear. Some made fun of him, calling him a masochist, insane. Others remember him as a true champion. Brothers and sisters, old scrap iron, Clint Courtney possessed something of what all Christians should possess. Perseverance, doing, doing the, the job regardless of the cost and the pain, just, just plain doing what the owner of the game called him to do. And that's, and that's exactly what a good-hearted listener of the, of the Word of God does. We just, we just do, what do what God calls, calls us to do, to do. play the, the game, follow the rules, rules. do our best, do the, do the best, best we can for others. Love people, be kind, witness, spread the good news. See, the good-hearted listener listens, understands, and then bears fruit. Jesus said in Revelation 3, verse 20, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, and opens, and opens the door, the door I, will I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Are you listening? Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. He is knocking in many ways and by means of many people. Do you hear him? Are you listening? He's not saying, let's do lunch. He's saying, let's do life. Are you listening? And as the praise team comes, in the last day's newsletter, Leonard Ravenhill tells about a group of tourists visiting a picturesque village who walked by an old man sitting beside a fence. In a rather patronizing way, one tourist asked, were any great men born in this village? The old man replied, nope. Only, Only babies. babies. <laughs> a, frothy a frothy question brought a profound answer. answer. See, there are no, no instant heroes, whether in this world or in the kingdom of God. And growth takes time. Colossians 1, 9 through 10. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Each one of us has to evaluate what soil we are. And if we're willing to improve our soil conditions by allowing the Holy Spirit to really 
Work, work the ground. Whatever your soil condition is this morning, God can take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. And so we're going to sing a song of invitation. And if God is knocking on the heart, the door of your heart this morning, I'd encourage you to answer. If you need to be baptized into Christ for the very first time this morning, we'd invite you to come. If you're online this morning and you need to reach out, you can go to our pvcc.info website, respond with the respond invitation card. But if you have a decision to make this morning, will you come as we sing? Will you stand with us, please? So God, this morning, as we gather into your presence, we're in awe of what you do in our lives each and every day. This life, it's tough at times. Sometimes, God, we have a hard-hearted soil in our lives that we're not listening or we're shallow or, Father, we allow it to be cluttered up by the things of this world, but we want more than anything for you to be at work mightily in our lives. And so, God, we ask that you would help us to have good soil where your word can take root and produce a crop 160, 30 times what was planted, that the world would see you in us. In the name of Jesus, I pray.